I'm Pastor John Peterson. I'm Pastor Luke Ulrich. And I'm Vicar Jacob Kempfert. The Mount Olive Mankato podcast is your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us on Sundays in Mankato to experience the friendship of our congregation and Christ's love. For service times or to learn more about Mount Olive, visit us at mountolivelutheran.org. That's mtolivelutheran.org. And now it's time for your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, which we will consider for this Palm Sunday service, is our Old Testament lesson recorded in the prophet Isaiah, chapter 50. There we read verses 4 through 9 as follows in Jesus' name. The Lord God gave me a tongue like the learned, an instructed tongue, so I know how to sustain the weary with a word. He wakes me up morning by morning. He wakes up my ears so that I listen like the learned. The Lord God opened my ear, and I myself was not rebellious. I did not turn back. I submitted my back to those who beat me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from disgrace and from spit. The Lord God will help me, so I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have made my face hard like flint. I know that I will not be put to shame. The one who will acquit me is near. Who can accuse me? Let us take our stand. Who can pass judgment on me? Let him approach me. Look, the Lord God will help me. Who then can declare me guilty? Look, all of them will wear out like a garment. A moth will consume them. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed Palm Sunday worshipers, back in the early part of the 1500s, all of Western Europe was alarmed about the threat of the Islamic armies, which then were making their way up from the south, already near Vienna and advancing on Germany. Friends of Martin Luther asked him to write a booklet, an essay, to prepare the German people for what appeared to be an imminent war. It's interesting and it's humbling to note that Luther's first piece of advice was this, that no Lutheran pastor should be permitted anywhere near the battlefield. Luther was afraid that members of the clergy would feel moved and entitled to gather up their own private armies and act as generals and lead their congregations into combat. That would be a terrible disaster, Luther maintained, because pastors just don't have the necessary expertise and training, the qualifications for such an activity. In our midweek services this Lent, we have been following 
our theme, the Son of God goes forth to war. Today we are entering Holy Week as we begin once again to trace our Lord's journey in those final days leading up to his death on the cross. We'll watch again with a sense of awe and grief as we see Jesus betrayed and arrested and assaulted, condemned, crucified, and buried. Who is this one who arrived in Jerusalem on this day we call Palm Sunday? Was he a wannabe military commander? Was he a well-intentioned but misguided pretender? Was he a political revolutionary? Or was he really who he claimed to be, our Savior? Today on Palm Sunday, let's consider as our theme, the arrival of our qualified Savior. And we'll ask these two questions. First, why do we believe that Jesus is the promised Savior of all mankind? And then secondly, why can you and I trust him with the welfare of our own immortal souls. In December, during the Advent season, you might remember that Pastor Ulrich and Vicar Kempfert and I took turns preaching about Jesus and his fulfillment of the offices of prophet, priest, and king. Here in our text, the Lord himself, many centuries before his coming in the flesh, reviews those offices as he describes his qualification to come as the Savior God promised and sent. The prophets in the Old Testament spoke God's word. We know that the people often failed to listen and they often turned against the prophets. But what they preached and taught what was what God had made known to them. And in doing that, they always pointed ahead to the coming of the Savior who speaks the final word. The prophets had to do two things. They had to be obedient listeners to what God was telling them, and then they had to speak that same word faithfully to others. Here in our text, we see that Jesus is qualified because he perfectly fulfilled the qualifications of a prophet, and carried out the prophet's duties. In our text, he said, The Lord God gave me a tongue like the learned, an instructed tongue, so I know how to sustain the weary with a word. He wakes me up morning by morning. He wakes up my ears, so I listen like the learned. As a 12-year-old boy, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem to listen and to learn from the teachers in the temple. And when Mary and Joseph asked him why he had done this, he answered, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Jesus obeyed the lessons and the messages his heavenly father gave him. At times he spoke to crowds of thousands of people, and sometimes he spoke privately with troubled individuals. His word always sustained them, and those who listened to him recognized his authority. 
with his learned, instructed tongue, Jesus taught others, declaring the law which condemns sinners, and then proclaiming the gospel of God's forgiveness, which he himself would purchase for all by his death on the cross. Our Lord's instructed tongue is still speaking to us and among us today. As the risen and exalted Son of God, our brother the prophet is still preaching and instructing wherever his holy word is being read and preached and studied among us here and now. And that word always points to him as our true and only Savior. He declared, whoever hears you hears me and whoever hears me hears my Father who sent me. Our dear Lord Jesus is fully qualified to be our Savior because he also fulfills the office of the high priest. The high priests in the Old Testament were chosen from among the people. Once a year, the high priest would enter into, all alone, the most holy place in the temple. There he would offer up a sacrifice of blood drawn from a slaughtered animal. The sacrifices made by the high priests and by all the priests down through the centuries pointed ahead to that once and for all perfect sacrifice which the Savior Christ would make on behalf of the whole world. He's perfectly suited to be our high priest because Jesus fulfills perfectly the duties of the high priest. He offered up not the blood of slain animals, but of his own. He made his own holy, innocent blood, the sacrifice which has satisfied the wrath of God over all of our sins. In our text, he says, I submitted my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from disgrace and from spit. During the days Following his arrival into Jerusalem, our Lord clearly fulfilled all the suffering that had been foretold of the Savior. He silently and humbly allowed himself to be mistreated by his enemies. During his trial, he took the place of a convicted killer named Barabbas. He was tortured, stripped, whipped, mocked, and spit upon by the Roman guards, and soldiers. He was condemned to be crucified by Pontius Pilate, though no evidence of any crime was discovered. He was nailed to a cross where he endured a slow and agonizing death in the presence of a crowd, and on the outskirts of that crowd was his own mother. Through all of this, he did not open his mouth to scream in pain or in rage at his tormentors. In this he became not only the high priest, but also the sacrificial lamb, who in mute patience goes to the slaughter for sinners, for you and for me. It says in the letter to the Hebrews, Therefore when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. 
with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. This week, as we return again to Calvary, as witnesses and as beneficiaries of our Lord's suffering and death, remember that he went fully qualified to carry out God's will. On your behalf and mine, Jesus was making the only sacrifice acceptable to take away all of our sins. It was our qualified Savior then who arrived in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, perfectly fulfilling the offices that had been foretold about him. He is our prophet who speaks to us. He is our high priest who died for us. We see also that he arrived that day as our king to conquer for us. When we think about the various and many kings who ruled Israel in the centuries, uh, King David stands out above the others. The years of uh, David's reign are sometimes referred to as golden years in Israel. As a young boy, he killed the Philistine giant Goliath, thus sparing Israel from a terrible military rout. During the years that he reigned, David continued to personally lead his army into battle. His courage was an inspiration to those he led. Jesus Christ is our qualified Savior, for he personally fulfills the duties of the king. He is our courageous champion and warrior who marched willingly and boldly to his battle on the cross, where he would face Satan and death itself for us. He says in our text, Therefore I have made my face hard like flint, I know that I will not be put to shame. Let us take our stand. Who can pass judgment on me? Let him approach me. Look, the Lord God will help me. Who then can declare me guilty? The Lord knew with perfect clarity just what he was going to face in Jerusalem as he entered that city on this day on a borrowed donkey. He had told his followers often about what he was going to have to do and what he would have to suffer there, and yet he never flinched, he never took a detour, he never turned away from the task laid before him. He set his face like flint and marched directly to his appointed death for us on Good Friday. He did all of this willingly because he knew that his dying would mean life and salvation for all who believe in him. He went knowing that the battle would not end in his death. God would vindicate him and would announce our acceptance before him by raising Jesus from the dead on the third day. Our champion would win the war and would bestow upon us, frightened rebels, the fruits of his victory, so that now you and I can declare to each other the full forgiveness of our sins in his name, and for his sake assure each other 
of his promise of eternal life to come in heaven. These days, as the viral pandemic rages on and seems to be growing in strength, the cable news networks have been keeping a running tabulation of how many deaths have occurred around the world and here in the United States. And then there's a similar icon that keeps track of how the Dow Jones stock market tally is going. Eating lunch one day, I glanced up at the television and I noticed that the arrow was pointing up. At first I thought this was for the stock market. And for a moment, I felt a bit relieved that for the time being, it wasn't going down. It was now up by thousands. And then I looked again and realized that the graphic was signaling the rising death rate. And that never seems to go down. It just goes up and up, and it appears there's no stopping it. Not just now, not just during this crisis, but all the time, there's no stopping death. And maybe this fearsome epidemic we're facing is meant to remind us of that harsh truth. But now that truth stares at us, and the statistics overwhelm us, and they point us to our own mortality. We think about all the people getting sick and dying, and it's so sad, and it drives us to pray for them and for their loved ones and for all those brave medical workers who are trying to help them. It's so unsettling because we have to wonder about what would happen to us and what God's judgment over our lives would be. If we take all these things seriously, it's no wonder we get scared. But what a great and greater wonder we have in the gospel. For the gospel assures us and it reminds us over and over again that Jesus Christ meets all the qualifications to be our Savior. Remember that all the time and especially as we go through this pandemic and especially this week as we focus again on his own sad anguish and pain and distress. Only the one who is the true prophet and priest and king could have fought for us and won our victory over sin and death and the devil. And because he did just that, the words he speaks apply to each one of us. Who then can declare me guilty? Can our sins successfully accuse us and drag us into hell? Can Satan successfully prosecute and convict us? Does death and the grave now have us in its grip forever? No. Jesus says, all these will wear out like a garment. A moth will consume them. We are, of course, not without sin. We're free from these, not because we have in any way earned and deserved our salvation. It's all because for Jesus' sake and on his account that God the Father justifies all who belong to him by faith. That is, he counts us as not guilty, as worthy of heaven. 
And so our saving friend's song of victory is really our song of victory. The Lord God will help me so I will not be disgraced. We thank and praise him who is our fully qualified warrior, savior. Amen.